Morning, church. How are we doing? Happy New Year. Bit rubbish, that, wasn't it? Happy New Year. There we go. Great. Oh, this is still up here, so I'm just going to do another plug for this. Um, if you haven't signed up to the Release Men's Conference yet, it is going to be really good. Um, so we've got Paul Harcourt, former leader of New Wine. He came to our church weekend away, uh, a church weekend at home a couple of years ago, and he was phenomenal. So he's going to be speaking. If you want a fire put under you, you <clears throat> ask Ian Mayer to come and preach. Uh, so he's going to come and put fire under us. Uh, and then Ken Benjamin, the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity. If you haven't heard of them, um, they are dedicated to helping normal people be Christians where they are, in the workplace, in your neighbourhoods, in your family, in a way that's not weird. And so that's what I'm sure Ken Benjamin will be speaking about. Please sign up. 10 quid bargain. Well, for those who don't know me, my name is Matt and I'm one of the leaders here and uh, I got the joy of kind of kicking off the year and our new series. Um, 2023 was a great year. But we feel that 2024, God is calling us to stretch out our temp pegs and prepare for the growth that he is and will continue, we believe, to bring to us. And so 2024 is going to be a big year, a year where a lot of stuff will be happening that is kind of stretching out those temp pegs. We're going to be rethinking how we do small groups to help us grow more effectively. We're going to hopefully, God willing, be doing some work in the building and to help us grow in terms of our capacity in our ministry. And we are, God willing, going to be planting out ministries and planting out potentially even new sites of Hope Church this year. So it's a lot going on and it's more than I can talk about now. So I want to invite you to tomorrow night. We've got a church night here, 7.30pm. We're going to be digging into those three things in more detail. Opportunity for you to feedback, for you to ask questions, and most importantly for us to pray about what God has for us in 2024. So I'm believing we're going to have more people that could fit in the coffee lounge. We're going to be in here tomorrow night at 7.30 and it's going to be epic. And more than that, Paul Gaskins sharing about the new Men of Hope group that is starting as well. So come along tomorrow night at 7.30. But that is tomorrow. But in the face of all of that potentially happening in 2024, what we wanted to do this year, this term, is go back to basics. We wanted to, in the face of all this change, want to remind ourselves who God is calling us to be. Because stuff might change, but that's not going to change. And so as you walk through the coffee lounge on the wall, you may just walk past it, you may have noticed it, uh, are six values that we want to be true of us. We want to be an authentic community of extravagant worshippers, shaped by the word, moving in the spirit, driven by prayer, serving our community. This is who we want to be. This is our DNA, I guess, if you will. And so what we're going to do this term is we're going to take two weeks to explore each one of those. And the first week, we're going to look at more of a kind of a bird's eye view. What does the Bible say, the theology perhaps of this? And the second week is more practical. What does it actually look like for you to be an extravagant worshipper? What does that mean for you? What does it mean for me to be shaped by the word? How can I invest the word in my life? So that's what we're going to do. And the next two weeks, we're going to look at what it means to be an authentic community an authentic community. Let me pray. Father, as we come to your words and as we come to what it looks like to be community, 
a community shaped by you. I pray that you would meet with us, that you would speak to us, that you would encounter us, and that we would leave here fired up and changed to be the people you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to kick things off with a bit of audience participation. So I want you to turn to the person next to you, you have 30 seconds. For you Bible nerds, where does community first appear in the Bible? Person next to you, 30 seconds, go. Okay, come on then. I would say there's no wrong answers, but there definitely is. Okay, where does community first appear in the Bible? What were you saying? What do you reckon? Adam and Eve? Great one. Who else said Adam and Eve? Oh, very good. Almost, almost. It goes back even before Adam and Eve. What is the first community in the Bible? Come with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that crawl along the ground. Look what he says. Let us. So we start off, community starts off, come hither, hold this up nice and high for everyone, with God. Starts off with, and this is one of the things that make Christianity different from every other religion on the face of the planet. You have monotheistic religions where there's one God, you have polytheistic religions where there are many gods. Only Christianity is Trinitarian. One God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our God is community. At the heart of the Godhead is Father, Son, and Spirit in loving community and relationship with one another. So what does he do? He makes mankind. Adam, come here. There you go. He makes Adam, mankind. Nice and high. There we go. He makes mankind. And what does he make mankind? In our image. Not that we physically look like God, but we are created to be like him in some ways, in some of his attributes. That means God is community. We are designed to be in community. And what is this community supposed to do? To rule, to reign, to represent God to the world. That is the point of community. God creates us to represent God to the earth. But there is a problem. I don't know if you noticed the problem with this community that God has made. It's a bit small, isn't it? So what does God do? He says in Genesis 2, the Lord said it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Come here, Eve. There you go. We get Adam and Eve. And before you get hung up on Eve being the helper, the Bible also says that God is our helper. So if it's good enough for God, there we go. Adam and Eve, it is good enough for us. Community created to reign, to rule, to represent God to the world. This is the new community, Adam and Eve, that God has made. The problem is it doesn't go quite very well, does it? 
they decide they don't want to do community God's way. They want to do community their way. They eat the fruit. They disobey. They get kicked out of the garden. They have kids who have kids who have kids. And this whole community, this whole new generation, decide they don't want to do community God's way. They want to do it their way. And so what do we get after that? We get Lou. We get Lou. We get the flood. And so we get version 2.0 of God's community with Noah's family. And I don't know if you know the story in Genesis 6 and onwards, but that doesn't go great either. And so we get this, we get this story in Genesis. We're only in Genesis 11 at this point. Look at the ground we've covered. And we get what's called the Tower of Babel. In Genesis 11, then humans said, Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. They come together, they build community. But what do they build it to do? To glorify themselves. They build community for them in their image rather than building community God's way. And so they come because they don't want to be scattered. But what happens? They get scattered. And so God goes, okay, we're not going to do it with the whole world now. We're going to do it with the family. And so we get... Abraham and Sarah. And God calls Abraham in Genesis 12, come, I'm going to bless you. You're going, to be a, you're going to be a new community. Your kids are going to be a new community and I'm going to bless you and you're going to bless the world. You're going to be the community I've always wanted to have in my world. And Abraham and Sarah come and they have Isaac. And that's a great name, firstly, but also a miraculous story. And Isaac and his wife have Jacob. And Jacob and his wives and others have uh, 12 sons that become the tribe of Israel. And the tribe of Israel, they grow and they grow and they grow God's community. But the problem is they go into slavery, don't they? They get taken into slavery in Egypt. They get brought out of slavery. Amazing story in the book of Exodus. They go get the Ten Commandments. They go through the wilderness. Eventually, they end up in the promised land. Amazing. And so what you've got is you've got God's people. There you go. You can hold it underneath. See, high tech here. There we go. In God's place and under God's law. There we go. And you go, whoa, community. God's community, we've done it. Nothing's going to go wrong now, is it? Except, of course, it does. Because people have a habit of doing community their way, not God's way. And what happens is the people have this cycle. It's the book of Judges of constant rebellion against God, constantly wanting to do stuff their way and not God's way. And so the book of Judges ends with this brutal assessment. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. They just do whatever they want. They don't care what God wants. They do what they want. And you see the problem that they've said, that they've decided is the problem, is there's no king. Everyone else has a king. We want a king. And so what do they do? They get a king. Come king. More importantly, they get kings. And some of these kings are amazing. They're wonderful. And when they're king, the, 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 the people of Israel, they follow God. They live in God's ways. It's great. And when they're not good kings, it doesn't go great. But as time goes on, the kings get worse and worse and worse and worse. And so eventually, Campbell, they're sent into exile. The northern ten tribes go off to Assyria. 
the southern two tribes go to Babylon. You never hear from the northern tribes again, and though Mags, and though they do attend, eventually return, it's never quite the same again. And this is the picture, the storyline through the Old Testament of community. That God creates community. It's part of who he is. It's part of who we are meant to be. And yet we constantly mess it up by making it about how we want to do it, not how God wants it to be done. Can we give him a round of applause, everybody? Thank you so much. You can sit down. See, we live in a world that is desperate for community. The isolation, the loneliness, the pain that people are feeling in today's world. They long for community, but it's not the kind of community that God wants. See, the way the world does community, and the way we even tend to do it in the church, is to make it about me. Who I am. What I want how I identify. And what we do is we build community based on people who will affirm me. Whoever I want to be, whatever I want to do, as long as they tell me I'm doing great and that's okay, they can be part of my community. If they start to criticize, they're out. And the problem with this is it splits the world into smaller and smaller and smaller groups and makes it all about me. But that's not the kind of community that God is calling to build. Because when we make it about us, we're pretty good at messing it up. See, this is all pointing towards someone who would create a new community, a community of Jesus. And our community is to be based around two events, shaped by two events. The first is the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you've got a Bible, can you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2? We're just going to camp out here for a little bit. You're going to do a bit more work. Let me read Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not from yourself, it's a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Whoa, could preach a series on that, couldn't you? Here's what I'd love for you to do. I want us, again, just to turn into twos and threes around us and spend a couple of minutes. If you're in this side of the room, I want you to think, from these verses, what were we? Before someone becomes a Christian, 
What were you? From these verses, how does it describe your experience? How does it describe your status? What were you before you got to know Jesus? This side, I want you to discuss what are you after you choose to follow Jesus? After you meet him and go, yes, I want to have my life changed by him and follow him for the rest of my life. What are you now? What's changed? Okay, twos and threes. And then we're going to feed back on my little A-frame. And we have a great time. Um, go. Maybe one more minute. Using these verses, what were we? What are we? Okay. Courage, people, we can do this. We can feedback. It's all okay. What were we? Shout some stuff out to me. Sorry? Selfish. There we go. Yeah. What else were we? Disobedient. You guys get the really cheery bit, don't you? Sorry? Gluttonous? Envious? Dead? That's a big one. Like, yeah. Great. Like the rest of the world, ignorant. Great. Well, not great, but you get my point. This is what we were. And you could dig more for more stuff. You guys, what are we? Saved. Amen. Yeah. Fully loved? Fully alive. Alive. Yeah. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes. Loved by God. 
child of God. Yeah. Fruits of the Spirit, yes. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's the end, isn't it? The good works, yeah, the um, new way of living. On mission, great. So that's good, isn't it? Now, here's the question. How do we get from here to here? Is it by pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps? Is it by going to church lots, praying lots, reading your Bible lots? Is it by doing, helping lots of old lovely ladies cross this? How do we get from here to here? Is it? We can't do it ourselves. Look, we were dead. Dead people can't make themselves alive. We can't do it ourselves. It's not something we can earn or deserve. It is a gift. That's what grace means. Did you know that? It means gift. It's a gift. We just had Christmas. Okay. Notes. Rant. Okay. Elf on the shelf. I hate it. Do you know why? You've got this gremlin sitting there watching you all the time to see if you've been good enough to deserve presents. That's not how presents, that is the anti-gospel. That is not how presents work. I don't give my kids presents because they deserve presents. I give them presents because I love them. Grace, it's a gift. You don't deserve it. There's no little elf on the shelf watching you to see if you've done good enough. You are loved by your father. And so he delights to give, was that controversial? Okay, good, amen, okay. He delights to give you the blessings of salvation. It is a gift. And what that means is no one sitting in this room deserves their salvation. You haven't earned it by anything you've done. You haven't been good enough. You haven't reached a certain standard. The ground at the foot of the cross is level. And we play this stupid game. And the world plays it too, where we look up at some people and go, they're amazing. They are amazing Christians. The way they pray. The amount of time they spend in contemplation and meditation. The words they use. Wow, they are good Christians. Or we go, oh, I wouldn't wear that to church. I wouldn't, I wouldn't pray like that. I wouldn't raise my kids like that. <laughs> and we look down on others. And I'll tell you what, anything I have in terms of godliness, any area I've grown, it's been given to me. It's a gift. I don't take any credit for it. It's the Lord's work. There is no place for judgmentalism in the kingdom of God because we haven't earned our way here. You may say hallelujah, sister. And so, in fact, next time, don't put your hand up. Just say it, okay? (laughs) And so I want us to be a church community where it is okay to not be okay. Where you can come to church and people can say, How was your week? And you can say, actually, it's been really hard this week. Where you can say, you know what? My marriage is really hard at the moment. 
I'm finding parenting really difficult. My fine, I've overspent this Christmas. Well, you can be honest. And you're not going to find judgmentalism because we know that in front of the cross, we're equal. That there's no hierarchy in the kingdom. All of us have brokenness. All of us have pain. It's okay to not be okay. We want to be shaped by the cross of Jesus and the resurrection, that we are, were dead and we are alive and it's all because of him. And so anyone is welcome. Whoever you are, whatever your story, whatever your background, come, you're welcome. We also want to be shaped by the return of Jesus. We want to turn to Revelation 21. We've looked at where we were. We've looked at where we are. Now I want to look at where we're going. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there's no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Skip through to verse 9. One of the seven angels who had seven bowls for the seven last plagues, we will do that at another time, came and said to me, Come. I will show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like jasper, clear as crystal. Look around you at the gorgeous beautiful messes around you <laughs> with all our flaws and foibles. And then look here. This is what you will be. There is a day coming where you will be in the place with no more pain, with no more suffering, with no more terminal diagnosis, no more chronic conditions, no more prejudice or racism, no more injustice. None of it. And you, church, will shine like the glory of God. Oh, you will shine like the glory of God. This is where we're going. This is our destination. This is where we will end up. You see, friends, it is okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Because we know where we're going. And we know where we've been. And we are on a journey there. And it doesn't mean that if you come in here broken, you need to click your fingers and get over it. It doesn't mean you're not going to have days where you struggle. It doesn't mean that you are not going to have times where you feel like you're going backwards. But you are on a one-way ticket to the heavenly city. That is who you will be. That is where you will be. And so we ain't what we were. And we know where we're going. And so you and I are on a journey of becoming more and more like Jesus to the day where we shine with the glory of God. Oh, it's good, isn't it? But here's the rub. How do we get there? Ephesians 4. 
the Apostle Paul says this. You can turn there if you want. It's Ephesians 4, 14. Then we, that's the church, will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. How do we get to be who God is calling us to be? You do it. You help me. I help you. You help one another. We support one another in love. We're like ligaments in the body, all supporting one another. We accept and welcome and love one another and affirm them as people made in the image of God. You are a precious child. We love and accept everyone who comes in through our door. And we speak the truth in love. That where we see stuff that belongs down there, we call it out because we know people are headed there. Where we see stuff that does not accord with the life of Jesus, we call it out in love and we call people to something better because we have a high calling, don't we, church? And so our job, yes, we love and accept and welcome everyone, whoever you are. But if you're going to go on this journey with us, we've got to call one another to live how God is calling us to live. And sometimes that's awkward, and sometimes that's hard, and sometimes that's painful. But if we are just the accepting, affirming community, that's no different to the world. We are calling people to become more like Jesus as we journey to the heavenly city. I've um, heard it described, and I have completely nicked this illustration, but it's very good, so I'm, I'm, that's fine. Uh, I've, I've told you. What is this? Anyone know? Guitar string? It is a copper wire. But actually, it's brass, but it's specifically guitar string. Um, Ian, can you just play my guitar string for me? Yep. Nope, doesn't work. Okay, so there's a problem with this guitar string. Um, and the problem is this. Oh. Oh. This is so much cooler in my head. To be, honest, to be honest, I'm so much cooler in my head most of the time as well. For this guitar string to work, first it needs to be on acoustic guitar, which this isn't, um, but it needs to be plugged in at two places. Here, do you know what this is called? This is the head, the twiddly bit. This is the head. So it needs to be wrapped around here nice and tight around the head. And then it needs to be plugged in here. Do you know what this is? This is the body. This bit here. It needs to be plugged in to the body. If you've got a guitar that is plugged into the head, but not the body, it's not going to make a great sound. If you have a guitar that is plugged into the body, but not the head, it's not going to make a great sound. But if it's plugged into both, it works beautifully. And you know, some of us, we love being part of the body. We love being part of the church because of the welcome and the warmth and the, 
affirmation and love that we get. But we don't really want to be part of Jesus. We don't want to live our lives according to how he's calling us to live our life. And the problem is we're not doing what we're designed to do. And there are also some of us, and we are plugged into Jesus. We love him. But for a variety of reasons, we'll say things like, my family is my church. Or I take church wherever I go. And of course, there's truth to that. But God is calling us to be part of worshipping communities. God's calling us to be part of communities where there are different people who are going to rub off on us, who are going to call us into that glorious calling of being more like Jesus. There's no point in being just part of the head. It won't be all that you're called to be. You need to be part of the head and the body. Make sense? Good. We're going to be a community that's shaped by the death and resurrection of Jesus, where it's okay to not be okay. Where the ground at the foot of the cross is level and there's no judgment. But I also want to be a community shaped by the return of Jesus. We know where we're going. And so in love, we encourage one another and we call one another to be more of who God has made us to be. Band, would you come up? I don't know how you come into 2024, but I wonder where this kind of sits with you. We're just going to allow a little bit of time to respond to the word. And so for some of you, I wonder if you feel a bit like that guitar string. You, you love coming to church, but you're not quite sure about this Jesus fella. Or maybe you go, actually, if I'm being honest... I've been part of the community and I've been holding Jesus at arm's length. And I want to say this year, he loves you so much. Will you pursue him the way he's pursuing you? There is more life and joy and peace and love than you can imagine in relationship with God. We're starting an Alpha course in um, a couple of weeks' time. If you want to know more about Alpha, it's a way to just explore the Christian faith. If you have never made a decision to follow Jesus, we would love for you to come on the Alpha course. Sue, put your hand up. Come speak to Sue afterwards. Um, she can tell you all about that. Or maybe for some, you are like the guitar string that's attached to the head, but not the body. And you've taken a step back from church. And maybe God is calling you in this season to press in again. To invest in community where you can be shaped and where you can shape others as we journey together to the heavenly city. Or maybe you come here and you go, actually, I've got off the wagon a little bit in 2023. And we had a picture before the, the service of like a gas pipe and it had a valve on it and the valve got stuck. And maybe there's a sense that you just you've just turned yourself off to the, to the things of God over the last year or so. 
and he got a bit stuck. In a sense, the Holy Spirit wants to come and loosen that up so you can turn the wheel and just open yourself up to the Lord again and what he has for you in 2024. Maybe that is for you today. Maybe in 2024, the call is to say yes again to following God, to that journey to the heavenly city, becoming more like him. So I'm not going to tell you how to respond, but I'd ask you to stand if you're able. And we're just going to take a minute just to privately wait on God and speak to him. Maybe you need to repent of judgmentalism. But I really think there may be some folk here today. And at the start of this new year, you're being called to say yes again to him. And you got so used to just turning off that part of your life. Do you want to run for him again now? So while we're here with our eyes closed, I just want to encourage you, folk, if you want to respond in any way to God, just pop your hands out in front of you. It's a sign of openness to God. And I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to sing. in our hands and often that doesn't feel like much and we say yes we want to go for you Father I pray for those who've got a bit stuck that you would loosen them up today that they may be able to say yes to you Holy Spirit I pray that you would come and where there's a valve that's seized up Lord would you come and open them up that they can go for you this year.